All right. Good evening, comrades, and welcome to the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. Tonight is September 26, 2023, and I want to thank you all for being here. Tonight's class is going to be a very important class, especially for the People's School, as we're going to be reviewing the history of Marxist-Leninist education in America, uh, from the earliest socialist-leaning schools uh, all the way up to the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies as we have it today. And what we'll be learning is about the history of Marxist-Leninist party-sponsored schools in the United States from the early worker schools all the way up to our people's school today. Precursors to the PSMLS. Earliest communist schools in the U.S., schools of social science. One of the earliest attempts at a socialist-oriented school was at the end of the 19th century in 1899 with the College of Social Science, initiated by the Christian Socialist Social Reform Union in Boston, Massachusetts. There was also a Karl Marx school started at the same time in Boston. In 1901, the Socialist Party of America was founded, and the Working Men's Educational League, later known as the Socialist Educational League, was formed in New York City, New York. None of these schools gained much traction at the time and failed to leave much impact on the socialist movement, but they would serve as an impetus to build more impactful and more attended socialist schools in the United States. The Finnish Socialist Federation of the SPA also started the Work People's School in Duluth, Minnesota in 1907, but by the 1910s, the school was taken over by the IWW. Operation ceased in 1941. However, in 1906, the SBA formed the Rand School of Social Science at the People's House, 7 East 15th Street, New York City. The school existed for 29 years before being dissolved in 1935 after a split in the Socialist Party in 1936. The formation of the school was made possible by a 200000 endowment by widowed lumber heiress Caroline A. Rand. It survived mob attacks and a raid by New York's Lusk Committee, which sought to prosecute the school under the Espionage Act for Scott Nearing's anti-war pamphlet, The Great Madness. But factionalism in the SBA brought its downfall. All right. And just on the side, we have a image. This is just from Google uh maps of that 7 east 15th street uh where they had the rand school of social science we're just going to be including those on the side as we go through these schools so that you can get an idea of you know what they actually look like workers schools in the october of 1923 the communist party usa established the new york workers school at 4850 east 13th street new york city though it would twice move it was seen as the historical successor of the Rand School since the CPUSA came about as a split from the Socialist Workers Party in 1919. The school obviously taught its students about Marxist-Leninist theory and history, but also handled problems of the time and even offered language and citizenship and naturalization classes for their immigrant students, as the CPUSA established many fraternal organizations amongst different groups of immigrants. The workers' school suffered a split of its own when the Lovin Stoneites left the CPUSA in 1929, where they formed the new workers' school, and the first director of the workers' school, Bertram Wolf, left with them. He was succeeded in the workers' school by Abraham Markoff and Will Weinstone as directors. The New York workers' school was merged into the Jefferson School of Social Science in 1944. Other institutions, some calling themselves workers' schools, would be set up by the CPUSA under Earl Browder in the 1930s in other major cities of the United States. 
sometime in the 1930s. The Abraham Lincoln School of Social Science was established in Chicago, Illinois, by William L. Patterson of the CPUSA and was aimed at educating thousands of Black Americans coming in from the South during the Great Migration. In 1934, the San Francisco Workers' School was established and operated similarly to schools in New York and Chicago. It was located at 121 Hyatt Street, San Francisco. In 1940, under pressure from federal and state authorities for its communist teachings, it became the Tom Mooney Labor School, also known as California Labor School, which lasted until 1957. The Los Angeles People's Educational Center was established as an L.A. extension in 1944-1948. Other schools include the Pacific Northwest Labor School in Seattle, Washington, Samuel Adams School in Boston, Massachusetts, George Washington Carver School in Harlem, New York, Highlander School in Appalachia, Tom Paine School of Social Scientists in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and the Pittsburgh Labor School in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I just want to offer a correction real quick. The CPUSA came about as a split from the Socialist Party of America, not the Socialist Workers Party. Uh, that's our mistake. New Masses, December 13th, 1938. A young lumberjack and his wife, living and working in the Idaho timber country, knew that something was wrong. They learned it from the newspaper headlines, from the misery all about them, from the tales old wobblies told. From someone, they heard that a magazine called The American Mercury had a good deal to say about conditions, so they bought a copy of The Mercury. In it, they found an argument against an article that had appeared in another magazine, New Masses. The article, as described, sounded better than the argument against it, so they subscribed to New Masses. In New Masses advertising columns, they saw a notice of the workers' school, which claimed to give workers like themselves the groundwork necessary for making the kind of world that they had been reading about. So the young couple left the lumber camps and went to a wild, uninhabited part of the state where they staked claim on some unused land. There they started to raise anything in the way of vegetable and animal life that would sell rapidly enough to enable them to come east for a session of the workers' school. In the early autumn of 1937, they began to trek to New York, and they arrived in time for the opening of the summer day session. For six months, they listened to lectures, read books and pamphlets and newspapers, marched on New York's militant picket lines, and soaked themselves in the labor movement generally. Now they are back in Idaho, organizing the lumberjacks into trade unions and Communist Party units. That, in essence, is the story of the workers' school. For 15 years, it has been a training ground for leaders in the working class movement, an academy of socialism. Workers come to it to deepen their understanding of the problems facing their class and to supply the fundamentals of education denied them by capitalism. Professionals and mid-class people come to learn what the workers already know. And so well has the workers' school performed this dual educational function that in 15 years, its registration has grown from 46 to around 10,000. The problems of the workers' school differ greatly from those of almost any other educational institution in the country. In the first place, none of its students are able to give full time to their studies. They come, most of them, to classes after a long day in the factory or behind a desk. Or, in some cases, they steal two or three hours from their duties as housewives to sandwich a class or two between the preparation of meals. This means, of course, an added task for students and instructor, for both must supply an extra drive to work up the attentiveness and single-mindedness that real study requires. 
In this sense, the worker's school faces a problem familiar to all who have been associated with part-time education or night schools of any kind. But in this case, there is another complicating factor to test the initiative of the instructor. The average school or college curriculum is based on a series of sharply gradiated divisions of training and experience. Students are not permitted to take one course until they have shown, by passing certain prerequisite courses, that they have some fundamentals which the teacher is able to assume when planning his work. Not so in the workers' school. Imagine, if you will, a course which includes students as Albert Maltz, winner of the O. Henry Memorial Prize for the Best Short Story of the Year, and an immigrant worker whose schooling abroad stopped before he was 12 and whose mastery of English is just sufficient to enable him to understand the simplest language in which the instructor is able to put his most complex ideas. Or think of the difficulties of conducting a course with four sailors, six clothing workers, a newspaper man, two housewives, three college students, a barber, and an undertaker. These conditions tax the resources of students and instructors, but in the end, the people at the workers' school maintain... They have their own reward. 15 students with 15 different bodies of experience comprise a far more interesting group than a class at Yale, say, where all the students come from upper-middle-class homes and half got their training at Andoverts and the other half at Groton. What is true of the student body is also true of the faculty. The workers' school has its share of MAs and PhDs and Phi Beta Kappas, but it also has faculty members, which as little formal schooling as many of the students. It has Meyer Weiss, for example, whose scholastic training ended when he was seven years old. Weiss, dressmaker by day, teaches Marxism-Leninism and political economy two or three evenings a week. What he now teaches others, he taught himself as a newsboy, tailor's messenger, candy peddler, wireless operator, and clothing worker in Poland, Romania, Canada, and the United States. And he numbers among his enthusiastic students, several of whom had the best training our universities can offer. The foundations of the curriculum at the Workers' School are the courses in Principles of Communism, Political Economy, and Marxism-Leninism. There is a new demand for general courses in American history and its subdivisions, such as the Civil War courses under the direction of Elizabeth Lawson. These are the things workers need most to make themselves effective communists and organizers, and they are the classes with the largest enrollments. But beyond that, there is a demand for subjects not so central to the purpose of the school. There are courses in literature by Angel Flores, courses in law and science and journalism and psychology. In educational method and theory, the workers' school is advanced as the most progressive of colleges. Only a few institutions... Sarah Lawrence, Bennington, Bard, and New College of Columbia, and, to some extent, Yale and Harvard, have managed to break away from the old alternating lecture and resuscitation system that has always dogged American education. But since its inception, Director A. Markov told me, the heads of the school have felt that the wisest course was to shift the responsibility to the student to make him responsible for his own education. So the worker school uses a Socratic method in which the function of the teacher is more that of a guide than of an ex cathedrae pundit. He may lecture for a time, but his main emphasis is on joint discussion. Despite the fact that the school has to fit its regular activities into spare time of both students and instructors, it, like other schools, conducts a number of extracurricular activities. Through a student council, it conducts Saturday afternoon and Sunday evening forums at which there are lectures on special subjects and analyses on the week's news. The students put out their own paper, the bulletin, and regular dances are held. 
The Ruthenberg Library, named after Charles E. Ruthenberg, first secretary of the Communist Party, is a complete collection of the literature of labor and socialism, the largest of its kind in the country. On December 16th, the Workers' School will hold its 15th anniversary celebration in Mecca Temple in New York. Earl Browder, Mayor Blitzstein, Anna Sokolov, and her group, the Cherniskevsky Dancers, and a number of others will express their gratitude for the part of the Workers' School has played in the left-wing movement in this country. Earl Browder, in his report to the 10th Convention of the Communist Party, gave a fitting summation of what he and hundreds of others who have attended the school or followed its work feel about it. This year marks the 15th anniversary of our Workers' School, a tremendously important institution, the work of which has played quite a role in making a convention as this possible. It has blessed the way for the great crop of schools that are growing up all over our country. We should prepare to give a fitting anniversary celebration to the Workers' School to show how much we appreciate it and understand what it has done. Okay. The Jefferson School of Social Science. Uh, yes. I myself have visited this building. It's on what they called in Manhattan, Avenue of the Americas, 6th Avenue. The Jefferson School of Social Science was established by the CPUSA in 1943, that's during the Popular Front period, as the New York Workers' School merged with the Jefferson School of Social Science in 1944. The school had a greater emphasis on community outreach and education rather than solely training party members. This was because the CPUSA was in the popular from period and sought to integrate itself much more among the masses. And let me say it was during that period that the party actually sat at the table of society and made decisions. We were no longer on the outside giving out leaflets or carrying signs. We were on the inside making decisions. Remember Eleanor Roosevelt spoke at party meetings. It was located at 575 6th Avenue in Manhattan. It was a nine-story building. You can see a picture. Around 30,000 volumes of books it had, a library of that many. Cafeteria for comrades to eat. Uh, it was a co-op cafeteria. The school covered much of the same subjects as the predecessors, but it included non-political and artistic classes like drawing, painting, things like that, creative writing, even personal beauty on a budget. It had a director, Howard Selsom, and you should look up that name. He wrote a couple of good books. Howard Selsom was, um, was involved in all kinds of sciences. In 1947-48, that's the year I was born, the school membership was at its peak with around 5,000 members. It was subject to legal battles and anti-communist oppression during the McCarthy period, and its operations were finally ended in 1956 by the government. And there's a picture of it on the side. Let's go back to that. It's a beautiful building. It's still there. It's still there. The first floor is the cafeteria. Can you imagine? We own this building in New York. And we had other similar buildings throughout the country. That's how powerful communists were at this period. We were not a group of 
misfit radicals. We were actually the decision-making people in society. Thank you. Then came the Center for Marxist Education, which I myself was at. In fact, I used to clean the toilets. I volunteered to clean the toilets in that building. I remember. <laughs> and that's how I got my way into it. Party-sponsored school of the 1970s and the 1980s. Following the closure of the Jefferson School, and I remind you that we kept a bookstore on Union Square named Jefferson Books. It was the remainder of what we had of the big nine-story building. Following the closure of the Jefferson School in 56, and after the tumultuous years of 60s, in which the communist movement, the Center for Marxist Education, CME, was established in 1970 at 29 West 15th Street, 7th floor, just one floor we had. The building had a cafeteria on the premises, similar to the Jefferson School, and the school offered extension courses. As early as July 1970, the Center for Marxist Education was designated again, but the government was unable to shut it down because the period was different. The first director was John Gallo, who I, was a friend of mine. I know him. And notable members included myself, Jarvis Tyner, who, is, by the way, is my age, uh, Philip Banowski, who wrote the famous book on Afghanistan, Herbert Apteka, who was our favorite historian, who was the head of a group called Ames. You should write this down. Ames, American Institute for Marxist Studies, and even former director of the New York Workers' School, Will Weinstone. He was an elder person in our party when I was there. It ran intermittently due to lack of resources. In the 1980s, the school was changed, it moved also, to the People's School for Marxist Studies. And you should know that name because our party took its name, People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies, from this name. Uh, it was located at 235 West 23rd Street, and the People's School was a center for pro-Soviet, anti-Trotsky education in the American left, very important, because at that period of time, remember, there was a lot of anti, anti-U.S. feeling in the left. Most of it was ultra-leftism, including Maoism and anarchism and Trotskyism. So this school served as a place where we can come and get all our facts straightened out. Much like the previous Center for Marx Education, the People's School courses to reach those outside Manhattan, these were schools operated by the party. But as we know, the CPUSA took a revisionist turn in the mid-2000s, and eventually the PCUSA was, was let go. That's what happened. They let it go deliberately. Because remember, the uh, not the PC, the, the CPUSA let it go because it was dealing with ideology and the old party leadership under Sam Webb and John Bechtel no longer followed ideology. They actually became more of new left, which is you do activity and it does. Oh, also, I was involved with an extension course in Staten Island. We picked up 
the speaker from the People's School at the ferry. This was during the Ronald Reagan administration, those years. We brought him to Staten Island, and we rented a room at the college of Staten Island. And every week, we had rented a room, and we had a, a professor from the People's School come and give a course. So it was easier for have them to come, us, took the ferry, than for us to go to Manhattan, a group of 20, 30 and there on the right, you see a copy of the Center for Marxist Education. It was called the brochure. And on the window, we had that sign, Center for Marxist Education. And that was it. You see where the building is? We were on the seventh floor. Thank you. Great. And with that, we'll stop for our first round of questions and comments. And I just have something here for discussion. Uh, what takeaways do you have about these predecessors of the PSMLS? And with that, we'll go to the hands that we have up. Thank you. Uh, one thing I noticed from that new masses article, and, and it really puts in perspective the mentality we have in this country with the pick yourself up by the bootstraps, uh, that comment where Markov had mentioned that they put the onus on the students and they're a guide for the students to help them teach themselves. It's almost, it almost like takes this mentality that we have in the U.S. and turns it on its head. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, so um, I've had several discussions with uh, Comrade General Secretary about not only just um, this, but other smaller locations, office buildings, bookfront stores that the party used to own. How did this, um, uh, just for the benefit of everyone's knowledge, when, at what period did the Communist Party start liquidating all these bookstores, all of these centers for Marxist education, and all of these like locations? Yeah, it started... In 1992, what happened in 1991? We know. Once the counter-revolution took place in the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, the, the doors were open. Ideological doors were open. The dam was not there anymore to prevent um, petty bourgeois radicalism, to prevent anarchism. Now the doors were open. And so that's when that started to happen. We had 63 bookstores. Could you imagine that? And I say we because we continue the old CP. We had 63 bookstores. And many of them were in poor neighborhoods, but a lot of them were in their universities. So you had college people coming out of the universities and going into the bookstores to find out about Marxism. That's what you had. And so all the liquidation, getting rid of the worker schools and the bookstores, and most of our mass organization, we lost everything. We had mass organizations that you can name it. We had um, it happened during that period, Thomas. All right, thank you, comrade. I had one observation when I was going through uh, the history of this that struck me. You know, comrades here, you know, if they attend our classes regularly, they know about the last slide of the class that mentions the factionalism that happened in our party that affected our school last year. Uh, but this is nothing new when it came to uh, these party-sponsored schools. And as we saw, the first uh, New York Workers School actually had its own instance of that when the first director of that school went ahead and left to join the New Workers School. Kind of reminds us of how last year the then director of the school left to go do their own thing. Um, the only thing that was different with that was they didn't try to go ahead and parade themselves around as the Workers School. They made themselves the New Workers School back then. Um but so factionalism in a party still affects schools even to this day. And I thought that that was a really interesting part of that history. 
I'd like to add to that if you allow me to. The year General 2000, Secretary. General Secretary Gus Hall passed away of the CPUSA. Once he passed away, the liquidation increased and went quicker. In the year, pretty soon, they got rid of their printed newspaper, which used to come out every day. And then after that, it came out every week. Now they stopped it all together in the years under Sam Webb, all right, who did not call himself general secretary. They got rid of the term. He was the national chair. So they even got rid of the term general secretary. They also had gotten rid of the term central committee. They called themselves the national committee. They got rid of the term political bureau, PB and called themselves Executive Committee, like American Corporation. So they followed everything from the United States corporate. They got rid of anything that sounded Russian, East European. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Uh, I, I can't remember uh, which which school was. I, I think it might have been the, um, the Jefferson uh, School for... Uh... Or what, what, whatever. Social research. Yeah, for social research. Um, but that, uh, that couple that came from Idaho all the way, and this was during the Depression, that, that's, uh, uh, very amazing to me that they spent all that money and, uh, time to come out to New York City just to attend the school. You know, they had a lot of esteem. But also, I, I thought it was uh, pretty amazing that at that one point with that nine-story building, the the building was like a whole university in one, you know, and uh, the fact that they had these uh, um, even classes for artworks, you know, our party could definitely use that sort of stuff. But, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, and it's the part of our history that is just covered up it doesn't get talked about by the modern american left uh they just like to act like all of the uh left back then was backwards and hadn't developed enough but this is the history that we need to bring back and show people so thank you comrade yeah i just wanted to say i think that where we are now uh we're on a very good path to getting back to this place you know i've been on this school for about you know coming on three years now and there are a lot of faces that I see every single week. It takes a lot of discipline, you know, and that's something that a lot of these other new left groups do not have. You know, they're in the movement for one year max, and they just leave it forever. But like I said, I've been on here three years. Angelo's been on six times as long as me. But, you know, you see the same faces. We see a lot of growth. And I think we're on a good path. Thank you. And, and really quickly, I just want to also say that, you know, it strikes me back then, you had people dedicating their whole life to moving to where the Jefferson School was so that they could be involved with it or the workers' school. Uh, now this is free and available online to all comrades. So there's really no good excuse for missing the people's school when it's been made so easy to get on it, comrades. So just remember that when we think about, you know, getting on the school today. I just want to say, I find it funny, but also tragic that, you know, and also somewhat uh, relieving to know that the attacks that happened on our school are not the first of its kind that other people 50, 60, 40, 30, even 20 years ago said, you know what? I know that in the past when people split, it ended horribly, but trust me this time, bro, I've got it down. I know the right path. Let's do another split. 
and yet somehow it seems as though you know unless we learn from these mistakes we're fated to repeat the same mistakes again and again but that's what this school is for and that's why we're here to learn about the mistakes of our past that hopefully we don't repeat them and then the next time someone's tempted to do a split you can say uh didn't work out the last five six seven eight nine ten times let's not do it this time thank you comrade dr angelo i think like the it's the cposa's national board not national committee or national thanks yeah. It, it's no more central committee, correct. Was there ever a cost associated with going to these schools? I noticed they had physical buildings. The one yes. was nine-story tall. Yes, there was. There was a fee. The courses were charged. If I remember, the courses were like $10 a course. The course would exist for a couple of uh, weeks, maybe even month, a month or more. And that would be $10. So, yes, there was a cost. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on something from the new masses. Um, you know, the critics of Marxism and Marxism-Leninism will always say, why do you continue to read Marx? We need something new. We need something that's of this century. It's too dense for these people to understand. And in that article, we, they talk about it, a, a man with a seventh grade education, and he's teaching classes on Marxism-Leninism, or seven years old, I don't remember exactly what it was, but... And he's teaching classes on Marxism-Leninism. He's teaching classes on political economy. And this is the same in the Soviet Union. Millions of peasants learned from the Bolsheviks. And they were able to have their revolution. Don't let these critics, you know, lead you down the wrong path that we don't need education specifically from Marx, specifically from Lenin, specifically from Stalin. And Thank you, comrade. Yeah, one of the biggest labor organizers in the U.S., Big Bill Hayward, uh, he didn't have an education, and he was uh, one of our one of our best there. Okay, uh, could you repeat the name of that school that you mentioned that had Thomas Paine's uh, name in it that was based in Philadelphia? I might do a little bit of my own research on that. Yeah, so it's Tom Paine's School of Social Sciences in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I want I want to mention that during the popular front period, the party grew from a fringe a fringe group of twenty thousand to reaching millions of people. Therefore, all our schools were named after historic American revolutionaries from the past: Jefferson, Payne, people like that, and that policy made it understandable. Remember, this was the time that we said communism is 20th century Americanism. Remember that. 20th century Americanism is communism. And we grew to literally the president of the United States invited communists into the State Department. Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady, spoke many times at the youth group of the party, which had changed its name from YCL, Young Communist League, to American Youth for Democracy, AYD. And our keynote speaker was the vice president of the United States, wife of uh, the president of the United States. So therefore, remember that the vice president was very pro-Soviet. It was a different world, different world. But remember, we sat at the table. We were making legislation 
for the whole country. That's the difference. We did not cut ourselves off from the American mainstream and burn an American flag and think we were left-wing radicals or something. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable hearing all the history going back to, yes, from the time we were a force. But what I thought was interesting about today's presentation was in the 70s and 80s, it was called the People's School for Marxist Studies, PSMS. And that's interesting to see the way things progress. So we're very happy to have, once again, the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies, PSMLS. As the comrade mentioned, he started washing the bathrooms. That's amazing. And many of us, I think, we've done similar for the People's School here. So pretty much the health of our movement is related to the health of the People's School. So we're very happy to have it. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that it's interesting to hear the history and learn about uh, those who have come before us. And um, yeah, I think we can learn a lot from the past. And tonight's been a good class so far. And that'll be all. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. When uh, when it comes to, uh, I guess the only thing I have to say is uh, I am uh, very happy to see uh, where our yeah where things are and, and I hope thing I I hope I hope eventually we can you know have a campus one day uh, with uh, teachers as well. Uh, sounds pretty pretty dope. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, you know, uh, with our online school, it's a pretty common thing. For us to get people, you know, come on, try to disrupt the class, uh, but it's easy enough. We just click a button and they're gone. I was wondering if in these physical schools, since it seems like they were open to the public, uh, there were ever people that came in and tried to disrupt it or maybe like protest outside and uh, how that was dealt with. Comrade Angelo, do you have any insight into that maybe? Yeah, there's no record of that. If it happened, there was no record of it. My feeling is even in the one that I was involved in, on the seventh floor, we had a whole floor, just one floor of a building. Wow. There was the only people who were outside, this is a fact, you should know this, were people who were members of a group by Lyndon LaRouche. They actually attacked the building. Not the right wing, not the Trotskyites, this group. And I am convinced that they were working with the government, and it was called Operation Mop-Up. I don't believe at all it was a strategical mistake on their part. I think they knew what they were doing. They only attacked the Communist Party, and they attacked us, and I was in the building when it happened, looking down, and um, old Jewish comrades who were defending the building were hit on the head with newspapers. And in the newspaper, there was a lead pipe. That's a tactic of strike breakers in the 30s. They used to break up a strike with newspapers so that they, the cops wouldn't arrest them. But in the newspaper was a lead pipe. And I saw a lot of people's heads were bleeding. So I saw that. So no one's going to tell me that that group was worth anything substantial and i also knew them because i was in 
I was in Students for a Democratic Society in the 60s, and they took over the Philadelphia branch, Pennsylvania, and they were called the SDS Caucus of Labor Committees. And none of them were workers. They were all students. And they called themselves Caucus of Labor Committees, which I thought was ironic. But um, therefore, the people that um, came from that today are different. They are the sons and the daughters of the people from that time. And we're able to work with them. But at that time, remember, his name was was Lyndon LaRouche. And he called himself Lynn Marcus. A takeoff from Lenin and Marx. That was a fake name, Lynn Marcus. So the very fact that they use these fake names, named after our great people like Lenin and Marx, tells me there's something mentally wrong with all of these people. Thank you. All right. We'll go ahead and go to the uh, second section of the class, which is on the formation of the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. The People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies was established at the first Party of Communist USA Congress in 2014, continuing the long line of party-sponsored Marxist-Leninist education in the United States. Its first national director was PCUSA General Secretary Angelo D'Angelo. At its inception, the PSMLS offered different courses for a price on different subjects of Marxist-Leninist theory and history. Extension courses became unnecessary, and the PSMLS became quite possibly the first national online school for Marxist-Leninist studies in the U.S. Being brought back in a new era of instant global communication via the internet meant students could be reached anytime, anywhere, via free teleconference called classes. This would become the medium for the classes for years until 2021, when the PSMLS started having classes on Zoom, a popular virtual meeting platform it gained prominence at the start of the 2020s. You can find classes on our YouTube as old as 2018. Announcement of the PSMLS circa 2015 to 2016. Dear friends, we want to take this opportunity to thank you for your years of support to the cause of education and the study of the science of our class, Marxism-Leninism. We are very excited and proud that our new school, the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies, PSMLS, will be open soon with courses on various topics nationwide. The school is a project of various left tendencies, is non-sectarian and open to all working class people and students that are looking to develop and sharpen their revolutionary skills. Although the courses will be in an academic setting, there will be a strong emphasis on developing understanding at your own pace. There will be no pressure or time constraints. There won't be any testing, just learning. Once a course is completed, students will receive a certificate of completion. The prices are reasonable and the texts and materials are affordable. For those students that don't live in a major metropolitan area like New York, Chicago, or Los Angeles, we will be offering teleconference classes. We realize that this is not the same as meeting in person, but we don't want to exclude anyone. We believe that this is the first time a school of this kind has been attempted nationwide. Of course, there have always been regional schools, like the California Labor School and the Jefferson School in New York, but has there ever been a national school for Marxist-Leninist studies? Open enrollment will be beginning soon, so please look over the enclosed brochure and select the classes you're interested in. 
be sure to complete the coupon with all your information so that we know where the classes should be held. We think this is exciting. How about you? Fraternal Aid Director, People's School for Marxist Loneliness Studies. Marxist-Leninist Education for the 21st Century. The new PSMLS was crucial at a time of intense revisionism in the communist movement and the ideology taught by the school was and is pro-Lenin and pro-Stalin and upholds the socialist states of the 20th and 21st century, including the USSR, Cuba, China, Vietnam, DPRK, etc. For this, the PSMLS has spent much time teaching with Lenin's texts and Stalin's texts, as well as old CP texts, and members of the PSMLS even did the work of translating texts into English that hadn't been translated, like Ludo Martin's text, Stalin and the Great Purges, and Luis Corvalan's text, Czechoslovakia 1968. No other so-called communist or Marxist school is doing all this in the present day. The PSMLS has also had classes on new present-day issues, such as the LGBT plus struggle, and animal rights, as well as on current events, such as the 2021 Capitol Hill Putsch, the 2022 Special Military Operation in Ukraine, the 2022 Railroad Strike, and the 2023 East Palestine Rail Disaster. Since 2022, the PSMLS has also had multiple classes on practical tactics and skills communists should learn. And we'll watch a clip from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies channel. This is an old clip that we had with the general secretary talking about the history of the People's School. In the early years of the American communist movement, we had workers' bookshops and schools. We had them all over the country. During the popular front years, we had something called the Jefferson School for Social Research. This is the history that the People's School is sitting on. From the late 1960s through the 70s, in New York, we had the Center for Marxist Education. From the late 70s to the early 1980s, the Center for Marxist Studies was changed to the People's School for Marxist Studies, and it became a center for pro-Soviet and anti-Trotskyite knowledge in the American left. Today, we are taking the bold step of rebuilding Marxist-Leninist schools in the U.S. So the PSMLS, the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies, is the current manifestation in this long line of party-sponsored schools in the U.S. The school continues the task of ideologically educating workers, including the unemployed, oppressed peoples, and young people in the science of Marxism-Leninism and its various struggles today. Over the years, the longest-serving national director of the PSMLS was Dr. Angelo D'Angelo. The position has been delegated to other PCUSA members since then. The current national director is Cameron Stringfield, who resides in Eugene, Oregon. PSMLS courses are now free and public. They are mandatory for PCUSA members who are required to attend one class a week or submit a 200-word essay if they miss that week's class. This is to involve them in collective discussion and show that they can devote themselves to making it to regular meetings. The PSMLS has seen the same factionalism arise as in other party-sponsored schools before, but has survived. In August of 2022, a small ultra-left faction of the PCUSA, including the then national director, 
left the party and tried to hijack and steal the people's school for Marxist-Leninist studies for their own splinter group. This was resisted by loyal PSMLS members, and the splinter group later stopped using the name People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. And we are in the process, as of this class's dates, of pursuing the group legally for what they did. A link for the GoFundMe for this legal drive will be included in the wrap-up of tonight's class. Right, and we'll have our uh, second round of questions and comments. And just uh, some another question. This is for our older members that have been here for a while. Uh, when did you start attending PSMLS classes? And what do you remember about PSMLS at the time? Um, and I'll just go ahead and start off by saying I joined the PCUSA in 2021, about mid-2021. I think the first class that I ever went to was actually one of the last classes we had on teleconference calls. So I just barely remember that era. Um, and I remember us switching to Zoom. And I remember uh, my mom actually looked for Marxist education way before we ever joined the party and we came across the people's school. So it's been out there and people have seen us for a while. Um, but I've always been really impressed at the you know, professionalism of this school and the kind of wide uh, variety of different subjects we cover. Uh, we're not just going through the fundamentals of Marxism-Leninism, which we teach, uh, but we touch current issues, we touch tactics and skills, and that's what we're meant to do uh, in this day and age. And I feel like that's a good continuation of what the schools did before. That's Carmat. Thank you. I started attending the PSMLS in 2017, a, a long time ago. I can tell you this, the school has come a long way since then. I think Carmats who were around back then will agree with me. Things were a bit rough back then, but they have greatly improved. Um, that video that played with Carmen Angelo talking brought me back because that's all, I, I believe that was probably recording from a phone call from an early, much earlier meeting, I, I would assume. And um, that's all I knew Carmen Angelo as for a while, just a voice. Uh, that's it. Um, I didn't see his, his face really until years later, but I'm proud of what this uh, school has become. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. And that clip, uh, just by the way, comrades, is on our YouTube and is from a class in 2018, which our earliest classes on YouTube are from 2018. So we have that all the way up until today. And you can go and kind of see what it was like. Yeah, I've been coming on since 2016. It was actually after the first Congress of the PCUSA. So I was not a part at that time. And yeah, as mentioned, it was done with the free conference call kind of work. And the people's school always had high attendance, you know. Uh, I think it was just once a week, though, in the past. And we covered a lot of aspects now. And there was another aspect, which we still have today. But years ago, there were still lots of people on the people's school. And these are people associated with the early beginnings of the PCUSA. And they were longtime CPUSA members. And many of them are still in our party. But because of health issues, they might come in and out. Or we have comrades always been here. But uh, I remember Greg Rose, I think he might have been a part of the school setting it up. He was one of the founders of the PCUSA and was a member of like the international department of the CPUSA. And he was very well known and respected and his ideology was very good. But when I came in, he was passing away and then he did pass away. But the other aspects that we haven't mentioned here, we've talked about records and we've talked about many things, but there's this other thing too. I don't know what word we, we would use for these people there are these longtime CPUSA members, and one of them was once the actual facilitator for the school, and he did a really good job. He made 90 seconds for $100,000, 
and is a union lawyer and they have excellent ideology. And I'm using his as an example because there was many people like him, but they, they come in and out. They join, they rejoin They're like five times in like three years. And then you just never hear from them again. Uh, I don't know what to call these people. They're really smart. They're very successful in life. Their ideology is good, but they're just bad communists. I don't know what's right. Thank you for that, comrade. Uh, and I also got a uh, chat from one of the comrades that's driving. It's a comrade from Texas. Uh, said they joined in December 2021, and they've been attending since. They were a CPUSA member and then a Workers' World Party member before. And our school has always been good, especially compared to the other parties, most of which didn't even have a proper class. And I'll I'll even second that and say, you know, when I went to New York and I spoke to one of those parties, they were impressed with us because they didn't have the same thing. We have this class 51 weeks a year. Only one week do we have it off. And the other... Uh, places around the country aren't doing that. And so you can see why their ideology is all over the place. Yeah. So I first started attending um, back when I initially registered for the party, October, 2021. Um, and in fact, with during my um, intro interview, um, I'd actually expressed wanting to assist work with the school, um, but schedules kind of didn't line up and I was actually kind of, uh, dismissed by the director as not being serious at the time. Um, but I've always been consistently impressed with the people's school. Um, it really was, um, my gateway to start kind of washing off some of the liberalisms I had held on to growing up and looking at things from a different perspective. And then also realizing that, Hey, a lot of the stuff I've been told is, uh, actually, um but yeah thank you thank you and i've seen a lot of comrades come here and unpack their bourgeois baggage whether it be from an anarchist background or a liberal background or even a conservative background and i think that's another purpose of the school yes yeah, so i've been in the party going on six years now and i before that my time spent in cpusa uh, there is a contrast like night and day between how these classes are presented research, et cetera. During my time in CPUSA, we only had classes like once a month, and that was about it. Our orientation into CPUSA was like not more than 30 minutes as compared to what we currently now have in the party over the time span of several weeks with more in-depth. I do remember when I was attending these classes, we were meeting on three conference call as uh, Comrade just indicated, so we've come a long way from free conference calls to Zoom meetings, now we can see each other in person, even though uh, we're at various different parts of the country. So, you know, it's like night and day and how long we have progressed since the party's first inception. So that's just my sense worth in, as far as my experience goes, of being affiliated with this party going on more than six years now. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Hey, comrade. And, um, I guess I joined the party in March of 2020, um, so about a little over three years, and um, it's been great seeing this, uh, seeing the school grow and learn, and I've I've learned more than I've ever have in in history class in high school. So very proud of this school and practically my comrades. That's it. All right, thank you, comrade. Yes, so uh, I started the school back in July of 2020, so right at the tail end of the the free phone calls era. But before that, I was part of both Socialist Alternative, regretfully, I know, 
uh, and Workers World, actually. And one thing I really liked about the uh, party was its high level of training, right? If you don't, it's okay to not know things, but too often in Socialist Alternative and Workers World, it was, hey, read theory, just go read theory and then that's it. Like, And then they wouldn't talk to you for two or three months and then tell you to show up to something and then that'd be it. And then they won't, you won't hear from them for another two to three months and then they'll just take your money. But the party, there's always something to do. There's always something to learn. There's always something to grow or improve or fix or patch up or build. Um, that's the nice part. Um, also, the when I first signed up, I was told if you're not ready to do work, then don't join this group. Um, and then that was basically, I was like, all right, well, now I'm definitely going to join now because you told me not to join. So I'm going to be petty about it. So, you know, it's three years later, I'm still here out of spite. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Hey, guys. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of piggyback off what uh, the general theme of everyone tonight was talking about how the party and the party school has come a long way. Um, organization itself has become much more sophisticated uh, since I joined, which is a little bit after in 2020. But um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of uh, convey that uh, sort of sentiment as well. That's all. Thanks. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, so I started attending... Um the um the people school in like i think like april maybe march of 2022 um and yeah it's always been a place where like you know great discussions have been had educationals have you know i've learned a lot um from different comrades on the on these calls um and it's it's a piece of history i mean you're not really going to get this like level of analysis and like historical depth and like other marxist groups um there's individuals like on the internet who, you know, have decent levels of analysis, but if you're not in a group, it doesn't matter like what you do as an individual without, you know, a collective, you're really powerless in a sense. Um, so yeah, I'm proud to be part of the party and it's really great to be, you know, it's part of my routine now. It's like, you know, uh, Tuesdays or Thursdays, gotta get, you gotta go to the people's school, gotta learn a thing or two. <laughs> Thank you, comrade. Um, I would say me is 2015. And it, the school was only on Thursday, and it was conference call. It didn't become Tuesday and Thursdays. It was after the Congress. It became Tuesdays and Thursdays. But before that, it was only on Thursday. And I mean, yeah, it started good, and we've done all the basics and everything. And and that's that's all I have to say. You know, I've been there since 2015. Thank you, comrade. Um, yeah, so I, um, I joined this last March of 2023. So I feel very young compared to everyone else. But I really, I really enjoyed the people's school in particular, I've learned so much, especially with like a lot of these topics, it's hard to do independent, like good research. And even besides like what the classes itself have taught me, it's provided me with a lot of like baseline knowledge to further my own independence theory reading. So I really enjoy this class. Thank you, comrade. And uh, and I just wanted to go ahead and offer a little bit of history about, you know, me becoming national director and kind of what I've seen with the school for the last year. Uh, so, of course, there was the wrecking incident in August of last year. Um, a lot of our comrades jumped like that into gear and saved the school, uh, started immediately doing classes. And it was rough when we started out. Uh, you know, we didn't have the same sort of uh, setup as they did. We were having it on people's personal Zooms 
uh, for a second until we started it back up again. Um, somebody I was living with at the time who was in the party, now no longer in the party, uh, became the national director for a few months. Uh, and they had a lot of really good ideas about the school, which I kind of took and have emulated in a way. Um, and we got it back on the on the road. And the the wreckers that started their own school uh, soon enough, they weren't even publicly advertising their classes. They only put a couple up on their YouTube and then they deleted it. Um, and I'm not going to mention the name of that group because I don't want to give them any uh, any any fame or any attention because um, Lord knows they're on the Internet trying to get attention enough. But I went ahead and became national director in, I believe, November or December of last year because the person I was living with just was valuing their own personal relationships more than the party. So I took the the reins of it. And in the last year, I've seen this school grow. I've seen us have more interactive classes with these PowerPoint presentations. I've seen the, the videos on the YouTube actually include the PowerPoint presentations. A lot of people are impressed with what we do. And I think that the school is on a, a good track to grow and be a lot better than it even was before. Uh, like some of the comrades have said, uh, the national director that left with the Wreckers was often really dismissive and really um, talked down at it to a lot of comrades. And I've tried to make sure that as national director that I don't do that and that I try to take in as many opinions as possible. But I just wanted to offer you that that history so that you can understand what it was like to save the school. And we're still in the process of saving the school. And we'll get into that at the end of the class. So. Um... Good evening, comrade. Yeah. Uh, well, I coming from an African background, I would like to find out if there is a, an anthology or like collected works about uh, the pre-Marxist uh, movement that were uh, essentially progressive and then dynamic like the Jefferson School and other schools. And uh, I would like to request our movement to uh, pay tribute in uh, literature about those uh, free Marxist uh, uh, schools, schools of uh, progressive ideas. And the second question I have is uh, the LaRouche movement have been to some of their meetings and actually, a lady named Diane was running against uh, uh, another senator, currently senator in, uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, she's a follower of LaRouche. And I don't seem to have any uh, ideological problems with them, but they are idealistic uh, in the sense that they want the Roosevelt tradition, the Kennedy tradition, and the Abraham Lincoln tradition. So, that is an idealistic school of thought for me, but uh, I do not perceive them as uh, anti-communist or anti-Marxist-Leninist. So I would like uh, some explanation on that. The group that you're working with now, Cameron, is not the same, but they're, they're different. You can work with these people. The other people were very influenced by him at a point in his life where he was actually following the State Department, in my opinion. So the, the situation is different. They're not the same people. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, comrade. Yeah. And um, just a note on that, on the LaRouche uh, thing. Um, L Lyndon LaRouche died in 2019, I believe, or something like that, 2018 or something. And his wife, Helga 
Belarusi took over. And I think that that's where the change of direction kind of came. Um, but besides that, uh, I guess the question that I have is that if the people's school was to kind of move shifts from like an online presence to like a back to an in-person presence that did have in the 20th century in different cities across the United States, do you think that the the uh, influence would expand or does the internet um, in the modern age have more of an influence than an in-person uh, classroom setting? I'd like to answer that. This is Dr. D'Angelo. I think it's both. I think we need both. We need to open up bookstores. Everybody said the books are going. Nobody's going to be using books anymore. Of course, that was not never happened. I need we need to go back to bookstores near colleges and in communities, and have the back room of the bookstore <clears throat> act as a school and have courses. So we can have a a center in each community that would be. Um, a local bookstore and also a, a school extension place. So we can do both. We don't have to have one or the other. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. I just wanted to say, I know we've used the word ideology and ideological a lot tonight. And while Marxism, Leninism is a valuable ideology, it's important to remember that it's also a science. It's a measurable material branch of science that's objective. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's really important to have it as a school. Thank you. Very good insight. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, Dr. Angela, what did you say about the sites again, like back in the 60s and stuff and about like uh, being deranged or something? Yeah, at that time, that was our experience. Exactly. Uh, but he's, but comrade, he's gone. He passed away. And the people that are following uh, his organizations are different. That's all I'm saying. The time has changed. The people have changed. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, comrade Sean. Uh, thank you. I just wanted to briefly talk about how I came to the People's School. Um, I had started, um, I attended a, a local sort of DSA group thing here. Um, and through that was invited to one of their online Zoom classes and uh, had my first Marxist education that way. And after that, um, they didn't really have them very often. Um, I began doing a lot of reading and I still, after reading a number of the classics, um, was just still not getting the education that I really wanted. So I started signing up for more classes. I went to the one with um, CPUSA and it was terrible um, and was pretty disheartened at that point. Uh, had watched a ton of stuff on the DSA YouTube. Very disappointed in that as well um, because by then I'd had enough theory but I just wasn't able to sort of put it all together in my head. And then one day I just happened to Google on YouTube um, and found the people school Sick. and uh, it was a uh, really a, a turning point for my life in general as well as being a pretty incredible education so thank you everyone thank you comrade uh i do not know when i first my first class was but i came as a result of a 
a situation that had emerged with a previous group I was involved in, and and while and while we were trying to uh, reorient ourselves in the uh, student movement, eventually, uh, eventually the provisional organizing committee decided uh, that we were going to become part of uh, the PCUSA. Um, uh, but what I what I really want to know is what are people's uh, uh, thoughts on other education initiatives uh, such as Midwestern marks, for example? An interesting question. Um, I'm sure some people have their opinions, whatnot, but um, I personally have listened to some of them and I find them interesting, but. I don't know, just PSMLS, I've always, I think, found the best insights here. Um, Yeah, I think that Midwestern Marx is good. I haven't attended any of their, like, Marxist classes, per se, um, but I've watched some of their stuff on YouTube, and, I mean, they have good insight. They are very close to us ideologically, I think. So that's all I'll say. Yeah, um to a question about other groups and their classes, things do exist. Um, there are other groups on the left that are organizing classes, but the big difference between us and them, obviously, is ideology. And, you know, there is every Trotskyite group has their study sessions. Every Maoist group has their study sessions. Funnily enough, I used to attend, um, you know, in-person classes at the Red House in Los Angeles, which is owned by the CPUSA, but the classes were led by Maoists. So it just goes to show the sad state of other attempts at classes on the left. But yeah, there is a lot of other stuff out there, but it's easy to fall down the rabbit hole. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, funny enough, I was in CPUSA for seven years. They were never active or had anything other than this really old guy named Armando. And also Milt Lesner, who was actually a good comrade who passed away in San Diego. But I used to drive up to the Red House as well. Oh, I was going to answer a question. Simple, are there other educational schools oh. around? Yeah, so yeah, on Midwestern Marks, so some of our members, one of our members is actually a part of Midwestern Marks, and that's why we did the collaboration on the fascism in Ukraine. Midwestern Marks has many similar positions to us, and they're they're quite good. The People's School for Marxist London Studies is actually like an organization, and it's outside of the party, but Eventually, what happens with all this, the streamers and content creators is sometimes they do really good work, but as the years go by, sometimes they fizzle out. So we'll see where they go in a couple of years, but they're definitely doing a good job, as are others, but definitely the people school. The only thing I wanted to add, question, is that the thing that PSMLS does that Mid Midwestern Marks doesn't is we're trying to build a party. They're trying to build a YouTube channel, a Discord group, etc., where we're out here trying to actually organize people and do it in a way that benefits everyone collectively in the working class movement. That's all I have to add. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I started coming to the school um, not live. I, I, I uh, stumbled upon the... Um, What's that uh, audio book um, or uh, well, what's the one where you listen to music? I forget. Uh, Spotify. Yeah. Um, I, I saw the um, all the recordings on the Spotify uh, channel 
And every day I'd, uh, when I'd go for my daily walk, I would uh, always uh, put it on for an hour. And, um, you know, at this time, at that point, I was, uh, this was 2020, um, you know, I was still within the anarchist uh, spheres. And, you know, the one thing that I kept hearing over and over again was people calling me a class reductionist. So the first class I tuned into with PSMLS, uh, coincidentally enough, was on class reductionism. Um, and, uh, you know, Angelo in it says, people call us class reductionists. And yes, we are class reductionists. Everything is about class. And that's what really got me to stick to it. Yeah, so I just wanted to say that. Thank you, Cameron. So we'll go ahead and go to the last section of the class, which is on the uh, future of the people's school. The present day and the future for the people's school. Present day and future for PSMOS. State of the people's school. The people's school for Marxist-Leninist studies is growing and learning. We are limited by our resources and our staff capacity, but we are committed to the school and to bringing the masses party-sponsored education 51 weeks a year. Last year, the PSMLS began using formal presentation PowerPoints that are made available on the peopleschool.us website. At the start of 2023, we began making videos of the slideshow presentations on YouTube and have begun making videos on the social media platform TikTok to reach more people as well. These are developments that we need people to volunteer to help us with and that we seek to continue. The People's School is also trying to use social media more than ever before to spread the message of Marxism-Leninism and anti-imperialist solidarity on Facebook, Instagram, X, Threads, YouTube, Reddit, TikTok, Telegram, Rumble, and more. And on the right, you can see our uh, uh, screenshot of the YouTube page and the links to all of our social media. The future of the people's school. What is to be done? The main goal of the PSMLS right now is to improve our staff and grow our membership. Our needs have been expressed, but we do have a few ideas for the future of the school besides that. Brick and mortar school. It would be ideal to establish a brick and mortar school in an area with many members, in addition to our standard Zoom meetings now. Comrades may find that they learn better in an in-person collective environment, and this will drive comrades to meet each other and strengthen their relationships with one another. Fostering discussions and study that strengthen us as Marxist-Leninists and preparing them to overcome social anxieties to do party work. More online content. As been suggested before that the PSMLS hosts live streams discussing things from our Marxist-Leninist perspective, which is something we would like to do. We would also like to post more video content on TikTok and YouTube, among other platforms. Potential content could include short clips, communist music, and news. We would need dedicated volunteers for all of this. And lastly, more webinars. In the past, we've had many speakers, including Dr. Barry Latucci, 
Carlos Guerrero and more that gave us a presentation on a certain subject and those webinars were very successful. We'd like to do more webinars with more domestic and international comrades and organizations. All right, and with that, we'll have our uh, last round of discussion for tonight. And just a few questions for our students tonight to uh, uh, wonder and maybe answer. Uh, what do you want to see the PSMLS do in the future? What can the PSMLS do better than it is already doing? And what has the PSMLS done that you most enjoyed? Uh, Comrade General Secretary Angelo, you have the floor. Yeah, um, a very important question. We've gone beyond the borders of the United States. That's amazing. We have people in Canada who have come to our classes. We have people in China. We have people in other countries who have come to our classes. That tells me that there's a need. There's a need for such things as a people's school. Otherwise, you wouldn't have people from all over coming. What I'd like to see us do is to give more initiative to individuals who want to do something for the school, see what they're interested in, and have them come on board. I think there's a lot of people at this class tonight who are quiet, who are saying to themselves, I want to do something. I really want to get involved with this. So we have to find a way to get them involved. I think that's important. I'd like to hear from the the person we have in Canada right now, Andre, who's on the board. I'd like to know how we can extend this this medium into Canada itself. No other party is doing this. No other party on the left. Very weird, but they're not. Because they tend to go from one event to another, like a if you have a frying pan and it's hot and you put a drop of water, what happens? It goes all over the place. It sizzles and it stops and it's gone. It evaporates. That's what most of the left is like. You know that. We need to build permanence. And I think we're doing it here at the People's School. The fact that we're getting people from the school into a mass organization that the party initiated or into the party itself is important. I don't think MPD or any of these other groups will be anywhere without the People's School. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Comrade. And uh, Comrade Andrea, did you want to respond to that at all? Yeah, thank you, Comrades. Um, I just wanted to start off by saying that I'm super happy to work with the school. If you can't be on the street, I say it's the next, next best thing. Uh, I am personally doing what I can to tell people that if you need a baseline for education and reading is not necessarily a thing. The school's a great place to come. Mm -hmm. To answer Comrade Angelo, yeah, just bring a flyer once or twice, tell them what the latest concept is. And I, I really think with some solid marketing, we could really grow and become something really big. Thank you. Thank you. Great, thank you, Comrade. Yeah, I agree with uh, Comrade General Secretary. You know, the school is primary. Um, that's actually how I got into the party is through the school. Uh, through the YouTube classes, uh, the videos. Um, I think, you know, in the future, I think brick and mortar will be big if we can establish a in-person school. It seems like a natural way to branch off into a bookstore, uh, resource permitting, which that in and of itself is really a virtuous cycle, in my opinion. Um, and it was interesting hearing about, you know, during the Popular Front with the Jefferson School, 
they didn't just talk about Marxism, Leninism. They had uh, kind of general interest classes for the community. And that's something to think about, too. Um, I think it's really a way to bring in people, maybe vocational services, classes, something like that, uh, bring in the community, especially once we have a brick and mortar. That's it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, I was just going to say um, I've been in the party since uh, 2020, so I've been attending the school since then. Um, I actually ran a class shortly after I joined the party, but that's a story in and of itself. But I was going to answer uh, one of the things I like uh, most everything uh, the PSMLS does. But one of the things I really like is in my own personal research, when I find a topic that I find difficult to find good information on. Um, and the two topics that came to mind, um, and I was really glad when we did classes on them, um, were the Molotov-Ribbentrop uh, Pact and uh, the Winter War. I always found those hard to find good sources on. But yeah, I also like when we, um, when we do stuff from commissions, when commissions do classes. I like those as well. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. And I'll just go ahead and say as well that, you know, the, the commissions and the different presentations from, you know, parts of the PCUSA are a big part of this school. This school is attached to the PCUSA permanently. Nobody's going to go ahead and take it and run with it. It's not theirs to take. It's attached to this party. It's a part of our history. Um, and what I just wanted to say for the school going into the future is that, you know, there's tons of great things that we can do tons of new, um, you know, classes and activities that we can do, resources permitting, but that's just a thing. Uh, we need resources, we need donations, and we need volunteers. You know, in my mind, I feel like everybody that, you know, is involved uh, with the party or with our other organizations can do something, even small, for the school. And so I would encourage all the comrades here to uh, reach out, you know, consider the staff positions that there are, consider what you have. If you just have a social media page and you know how to work that a little bit, then that can help us out and 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 can really go a long way for the school. Um, so that's that's just a really big need that we need is volunteers for the school. Um, yeah, I love the PSMLS uh, classes. It's the reason why I found the party specifically because as I was going through sort of my own evolution and into socialism, I started getting curious about Stalin and had it not been for um, the work that you guys did with Ludo Martins, then I wouldn't have found the party. So the, it does matter and it is very important for people to have it. And other than that, um, I love the school. I love the presentations, like the PowerPoint presentations and stuff that we've made. Um, I I guess I would, if I'd have to say anything, I would like to do just every now and then have like a more like dedicated like reading of theory just every now and then. Because there are a whole lot of times that I feel like so many people misinterpret theory in a, and, I, and I really trust all of our comrades here to teach it right. So I would like to see some more of that every now and then. Thank you, comrade. And just, you know, real briefly, this year we've, it's been history heavy. We've been having history classes after history classes, and it's something we've recognized. Um, in the next couple months, we'll have uh, some film uh, screenings. We'll be doing some classes on theory. Um, we'd like to do some skills and tactics classes again. So we'll be mixing it up. Thank you. Yeah, I've been coming to the school since November 2021 when I joined the party. 
and it's grown a lot since then. But uh, one thing I really like, uh, and I think we need to do more often, is when we tackle car current events in the school. Uh, we're not going to get a more honest analysis of what's going on anywhere else than here. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Uh, comrade General Secretary Angelo, you have the floor. Yeah, I want to mention two things that we did in the past that we really need to bring back. And that was movie night. That was really enjoyable. We had a movie and we had it two or three times. We would show it. And after the scene, we would stop and we would discuss collectively, talk about what we saw and analyze it. I, you can't do it when you're by yourself sitting on the couch at home watching a movie. But when you're sitting with a group of people, you can do that. We can have popcorn. People can be eating whatever they're doing while we're watching the movie. And uh, movie nights are important. I think we need them at least once because it actually lasts two or three nights. I think if we have them once every two months, that would be great. Uh, the other thing I think we really need to do is open our doors to the um, to the mass movements that we help initiate. U.S. Friends of Soviet People is an important formation. It doesn't exist anywhere else in this country, only here. I think we need to uh, have them uh, present once every so often um, something, and I think this year they're going to do it on the October Revolution in 1917 that happened in Russia. I think that's important. I think United Jewish People's Fraternal Order needs to put out something, uh, a program on the Warsaw Ghetto, what happened in the Warsaw, and that kind of thing. Uh, we have enough mass organizations, including the uh, Native American movement and others that we should be putting on um, our own uh, class-sponsored events. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, maybe to um, broaden our uh, scope a little, um, you know, I, I don't, as far as I'm aware, we haven't done any classes to do with um, art and culture. Um, maybe we've had one or two, I don't know. But, you know, I mean, you, you have all the, you know, you have all these uh, famous artists, uh, especially like Frida Kahlo and uh, and uh, Picasso, you know, having uh, classes on the history of their their art and what inspired them, and you know, just stuff to uh, bring in a little bit more general interest uh, would be a pretty um, amazing step. You can right. I definitely agree, um, and I know that you know New Masses, which is one of the publications that we support, uh, has a lot of that, and I think that we can start using some of the content from there and having classes like I think we should really have a class on Hugo Gellert but that'll be for the future yeah I was just gonna say that the cartoonists the political cartoonists we haven't really touched them and there's more than yeah obviously uh Hugo Gellert there's uh I forgot his name already but um and oh Ollie Ollie Harrington uh and we could do a lot with that and uh, to show that these were, you know, either fellow travelers or communists and, and um, uh, their lessons to be learned. So, yeah, I, I'm with you <laughs> on that one. All right. Thank you, comrade. Um, to kind of expand off of, I think it was comrade's idea. Um, I think 
also talking about like modern arts and culture from um, our perspective could be very in could be interesting and it could gather like a wider audience. Um, I know like media analysis is per is personally something that helped push me more left. Uh, so yeah. Thank you, comrade. And uh, yeah, just before we go to the wrap up, one of the things that I also want to say about the school is, and we put this in the you know presentation, but I just want to uh, echo it here again. Promotion. We need promotion. Share the classes and the different uh, articles and Facebook events that we have before the class. Tell your friends and your comrades that you meet in different places about the school. Um, get the get the school out there. Get our propaganda out there so that we can bring people to this school. Um, because I've seen that, you know, I've been at events where people are really interested. They want to learn about socialism because they know that the bourgeois in this country is not giving them an honest account of what that is. So please help to share, you know, our posts and everything to bring people to the school. It really goes a long way. Um, yeah, this is a kind of related, but um, I think it would be nice to have some discussions on specific books. Um, for example, right now I'm reading The United Front, and it would kind of like a book club, maybe, just to discuss like different literary works. And um, it, it's hard to navigate some of these books if you're really new to communism, and it's difficult to understand some of the concepts. So I think that might be very helpful. Good idea. Thank you, comrade. Uh, I tend to really like uh, classes on Asia. Uh, I don't know. Uh, have we done any classes on Africa yet? Yes, um, we did Ethiopia way back. Okay. Thank you, comrade. Uh, so I think it would be cool if uh, PSMLS had, and maybe they do, and I just haven't seen it, but um, a, I guess, like a, a standalone YouTube series, um, similar to maybe like Marxist Paul, um, where it just kind of has like uh, ML 101, you know? Um, I think that would be a good idea and a good way to funnel numbers. Yeah, no, that would be a fantastic idea for the future. So I just wanted to say what I like most about the party school. Um, I always saw it as kind of like the soul of the party. It is kind of where we come together as comrades and you know do what we do best, which is talk about theory and talk about how we organize. Um, and every, we've had uh, reiterations of the same subject. And every time it's like watching a movie, you see something new that you didn't notice the first time. And I think that's what I enjoy best about it is every, I'm like, oh, I didn't catch that the first time. Um, so, you know, the committed comrades stay in and it's worth it because you find new content that you may have overlooked. That's all. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, the main thing I like about the setup that we have now is that like we just put out a lot of good content and a lot of it is stuff that is not covered by other groups on the left. But one that I do want to recommend is we need to start bringing back series again, like having like I, the class specifically that brought me to the school was History of American Communist uh, Movement, parts one through five. And that was just so much information and five episodes and just really helped me out a lot. So I think that's like having like a series of it would be just really good.
Yeah, fantastic. I do remember those, and they were great. Um, Comrade Dr. D'Angelo, D'Angelo, you have the floor. We need to have more guest speakers, like we did with Dr. Barry Latucci. We need to have more of those to get a different view from other people on the left. We also need to have, uh, in English, or somebody translating, a speaker from different communist parties around the world. We want to hear what their view is on different subjects, and uh, like and do, and that's important. Okay, and uh, that's what I think we should start doing. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade D'Angelo. One thing that I just really like about the school is that it has a lot of older comrades who, and even a lot of the younger comrades who are well-read in their theory, because in a lot of online leftist spaces, you know, the depth of their understanding is very shallow, and so I like getting to have in-depth perspectives that are actually, you know, consistent and not just random people online spewing stuff. Um, one thing that I think it would be cool to have more of in the future would be um, more classes on existing socialism and existing resistance to NATO imperialism in general. Fantastic. Yeah, that would be a good class. So um, I think the thing I like the most about the school is that, um, um, you know, it's just everybody together collectively kind of reading together and talking about stuff uh, helps you absorb a lot of information and helps you become a better Marxist. Um, and prior to joining the school, I I didn't realize how much little I did know. So uh, just coming in being in the school for the last year or so has just taught me so much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, one thing that we could do, I think that would be interesting for the PSMLS is kind of um, more some more idea on ideological lines, something like we, we just, and we kind of maybe analyze different ideology as opposed to, and compare it to ours, see where we are in agreement, where we disagree etc like like kind of what's the difference between um you know the ideological line of you know a the party in china versus us for example just just an idea all right thank you yeah i like uh started to come here like uh, december 2021 and uh it's a pretty nice group uh, a lot of interesting uh, exposed to a friday a lot of different like uh readings and stuff. And I noticed that like they used to have these links to the uh, PDFs of different like things, uh, like uh, like books that we were discussing, but I can't find them anymore. Like they used to be at like uh, the uh, people's school like website or something. I remembered that and uh, I don't can't find them anymore. Um, so I do know on the People's School YouTube channel, we do we did manage to upload a lot of the older um book discussions and some of those we are also looking to re-record so you could check there okay thanks is not a problem. Uh, so now we'll go ahead and wrap up and i want to thank you for all of your different comments and feedback tonight especially all the reminiscing about when we came to the school what it's been and, and what it is now compared to that 
Um, I think it was a really great class, and I think it was a class that invigorated a lot of us to do more for the school. And with that, uh, Comrade General Secretary, is there anything that you would like to say before we go ahead and adjourn? Uh, it was a great class. I personally enjoyed it. It reminisced going back. It reminded me of the days when I used to clean the toilets at the Center for Marxist Education in Manhattan. Uh, I was young then. <laughs> I was about 20, 23. And um, so it was, uh, I found it personally enjoyable. Uh, also, I felt that the, the famous quote, Maurice Bishop in Grenada, Maurice Bishop, is really apropos for us. Forward ever, backward never. And I think that should be our, our motto in life, especially in the school. Forward ever, backward never. Thank you. Thank you for watching this full-length class from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. For more information or to join our free classes, visit our website, check out our YouTube, listen to our streams on Spotify, and chat with us on Reddit.